at Coast, and it's going to be a great day. So excited. You are in for such a special treat this morning. We have our friend Steve Roberts here in the back. These are his sons. They have a band called Common Noble, and they are going to be leading our worship today, and you're just going to be in for such a blessing. But here's what we want to do, just to kind of uh, show our appreciation for them, I want to ask you to press into worship today. I mean, just press in. Go after God. Go after His heart. Man, just let Him touch your spirit today. Does that sound like a good idea? Good. Well, raise your hands with me, and let's just welcome the Lord into this place. Father, we just thank you for your presence, for your love, for your great mercy and grace. We ask you to fill this place with your presence today. Father, we thank you for everybody that's here, those that are still going to be coming in in the next few minutes, those that are watching online. Father, wherever they are, you can touch their hearts. You can minister to them right where they are today. You can do your mighty work in their life. And so, Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Psalm chapter 9, verse 10. It says, May everyone who knows your mercy keep putting their trust in you, for they can count on you for help no matter what. Oh Lord, you will never, no, never neglect those who come to you. Lord, we just recognize that truth, Lord. That you are so trustworthy. You're always faithful, God. We do. We just enter in as we gather together as your body this morning. Lord, we just we recognize the fact that you're here, that there's no other audience in this room but you. And, and really, for you, you don't want to be an audience. You want to be just interacting with each of us. You're, you're such a perfect father. And Lord, we just express our love to you this morning. Recognize that all of us have a story. All of us have a, a journey, a journey with you. Lord, you've been leading us all along. You knew us before we were formed in the secret place. And you're with us now. You've never left us. You're with us. And we just join our hearts together to just love on you, Lord. Thank you for your great love. We just say we trust you.
take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting my load again again. Take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There you go, lifting my load again. There you go.
glad you're here. Uh, glad you're here in this place. If you're watching us online uh, through YouTube, we want you to hit the subscribe button and share. If you're here watching us on Facebook, hit the like button and also hit the share button and share it with all your friends and family. Invite them to come watch the service today. Uh, wow, I got chills just these guys. You know, how about Steve Roberts, Common Nobles? Ben, see, he helped me last night saying, if you think of bad, you've got us, because you got Ben, Aaron, and David. He said you put them together and it's bad. But there is nothing bad about this. These guys are amazing, are they not? Then, of course, Steve Roberts back there on the keyboard. Uh, just amazing. But... One of the things I want to say is, you know, these guys wouldn't be here today had Robert not extended an invitation to them, inviting them here to join us today, inviting them to, to fill the space today, and to be a part of our worship. With that being said, the Bible talks about a lot of invitations as well. It talks about invitations uh, to the banquet, invitations that are uh, to celebrations that are, that are being had. They send out invitations. And then there's the invitation to follow Christ. Very important. And then last one is the invitation for salvation. How amazing is that? All these invitations are kind of leading us to what our point is. My point is today, I guess, our point, is we want to encourage a season of invite. So today, after the service, Ron and somebody is going to be out there passing out these little cards. They're invite cards. That's all it is. They're wanting to invite you to come join our church, come see our services, follow us online, however it is that we can get them here. But we want them here in the building. We want them to actually come and join us. And uh, they're going to pass out little bundles of five that they're going to give you when you leave today. So our challenge for you today is invite five people to church next week. Because next week is our very first weekly Bring a Friend to Church week. Yeah. Right? Is that right? So... And you see, that's weekly because we want you to do it every week. We want you to go out and invite somebody every week to come to church. If you're going out to dinner and you have a really good server and you're going to leave a really generous tip, leave it. Or if you had a bad server and you still want to leave a generous tip, leave a card. Put a card on there and invite them to come to church with us. If it's your cashier at Walmart or at the grocery store, uh, give them a card. Invite them to come to church with you. But don't leave the card without a generous tip. That's correct. That's correct. Because we are showing the love and hope of Jesus Christ, right? But the point is to get out and, and invite people. Invite people to come to church. Share what you know. You know, a lot of people are seeking a void right now. They're seeking to fill that void. And the only way they're going to fill it is with the love of Jesus. And that's the only way that they're going to be able to do that. And without you inviting them to church, they may, never, never may get to meet that need. So uh, we're glad you're here. Hope that you'll come back next week and bring a friend with you. I did forget, I think, if you're here with us today, uh, pick up a little blue card in the back of the chair that's behind the seat in front of you and fill that out. Uh, if you have a prayer need or something, and also if you're online, put it in the comments as well if you have a prayer need or you need us to reach out. If you're here in the building, just let us know you're here. If you're new and, and new to the church, give us a document, you know, or a, something that shows that you were here today. I promise we're not going to go knock on your door and start hassling and calling you and all that. 
unless you want somebody to reach out to you, and then by all means, put that in the comment as well, and, and somebody from the church will reach out to you, and we'll come knock on your door if you want us to. Uh, matter of fact, uh, keep saying we're not going to hassle you anything, but if you want us to come by, we will come by and offer God's extended warranty for our soul, right? That he's going to offer us. No laughs on that one. Nobody wants to extend the warranty. So, thank you. So anyway, we are going to offer. And that warranty is, again, is, is filling that need and, and getting them on the right path and, uh, and just feeding their soul. So thank you. If y'all would, pray with me, and then we're going to have a little short video. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the spirit that's in this room today. We just thank you for ushering in your spirit in here. We pray, Lord, that you're going to put a, a just a, a one of invite on our hearts, Lord, that we're going to go out and reach the community and reach the world, Lord, just one person at a time. We just thank you, Lord, for, for blessing our church. We thank you, Lord, just for, for pouring yourself into us, even though we're so unworthy sometimes, Lord. We just know that you're faithful to us and that you're also just carrying our load and just picking our load up just time and time again. We thank you, Lord, for this. We praise you. And we just pray, Lord, that you're going to be with Robert as he comes up and brings his message today, Lord, that you're just going to anoint him, Lord, where he can just uh, spread your word uh, through, through his message today, Lord. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Summertime at Coast. How you doing, everybody? So glad that you are here. How about this band? Oh my gosh. Can we keep you guys? Can we keep you? I mean, that's amazing. Hey, listen, can we give a warm welcome to everybody who is watching online? We're so glad that you're watching us online. We really believe that God can touch you right there in your PJs. You know, he can... He can touch your life, and so we're glad that you're joining along. Again, like Daryl said, if you're watching on YouTube, man, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching on Facebook, hit the share button, and uh, man, just again, so glad that you're here. If you're new to Coast today, if you'll take that blue card, fill it out, take it to the welcome station, we got a free gift for you we'd love to put in your hands. Well, we are today in the conclusion of our series Travel Light, a summer series on baggage. Have you guys enjoyed this series? Yeah. Man, I've been having a blast in this series. and uh, We've had a lot of great feedback on this, and I hope it's been helpful for you. This is a series about freedom. This is about a series uh, about getting free in Christ. So let me give you the series in a nutshell in case you missed any of it, because it's important for you to know where we've come from to know where we're going. All right, and what we're going to try and do today. In week number one, we unpack the term baggage, and here's what we discovered is that everybody's got some, right? We all have a little bit. And here's the deal. A lot of people that I meet on this journey called life are not enjoying the trip because they're overloaded. It seems like it's, it's not the destination. It's just that somewhere along the line, 
They just started accumulating bags here and there. And the next thing you know, they're carrying this stuff around. And, and they've just kind of adapted to it. They've just kind of gotten used to it. And so what happens is they're not enjoying the trip. They're not enjoying the journey. It's making it a whole lot harder than God intended it for, for it to be. So in week one, we found out that the, the biblical word for baggage is the word stronghold. Stronghold. And that, that word stronghold in the original Greek language literally means a prisoner who is locked up by a lie. And so because of that, whatever it is has become something that has a stronghold on your life. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with heaven or hell, whether you're going to heaven or not, but it has everything to do with how much you enjoy the journey while you're here on this planet. Amen? So there's a lot of people who know that they're going to heaven when they die or when Jesus returns, but along the way, they just acquired this stuff that has a stronghold on their life. And if it's all based on a lie, then the way we have to combat it is with the truth. We, but you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All right. So each week, we've been trying to pump into your mind, your heart, your spirit, some biblical truth to combat these lies that the enemy has whispered in your ear. And, and some of you, man, you've been having those kind of things right now. You've been having some stronghold action in your life. And the devil is there, and he's whispering lies into your ear to devastate you or hurt you or to bring you down. And, and, and it's messing up your life. It's messing up your life. It's bogging you down. I heard a great story years ago, and I love this story. It's about a guy who went into a pet store, and he walks into the pet store, and he's just kind of looking around. He's kind of you know, having fun, checking out all the animals. All of a sudden, from across the room, he hears this voice that says, Hey! And he looks over, and it's a parrot. And he's like, Me? He goes, Yeah, you! And he says, What? He says, come here. So he walks over to where the parrot is, and he says, what? And the parrot says, you, without a doubt, are the stupidest, most disgusting human being I've ever seen in this store. And the guy goes, hey. Right? And he says, I ain't putting up with that. So he goes to the manager, and he tells the manager, he says, your bird just insulted me. And then he said, what did he say? He said, I was the most disgusting and you know, ugly human being that ever walked in the store. He says, I'll take care of it. I, I promise you, you'll never have to worry about it again. So he goes over to the bird, you know, pops him around on the beak a few times, pulls out a few feathers and all of that. And the bird's kind of like this, you know. And he says, if you ever do that again, it's going to be worse. You don't ever do that again. And so he says, I, I took care of it. You're all good. Well, about a month later, the guy comes back to the store. And he's just walking around, looking around. And he hears that same familiar voice. Hey! And he looks over and says, yeah, come here. He walks over and he goes, what? And the bird goes, you know. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny to me. That's, I'm just telling you, that's funny, right? See, here's the deal. The Bible says in Galatians that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. That he's always whispering in our ear. That he's always telling these little lies. Jesus called him the father of lies. And so he's constantly whispering things in your ear that are not true. And some of you, maybe you experienced that today. Maybe you were in worship and you felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you said, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to raise my hands and worship. And the devil starts whispering in your ear and goes, okay, you know, 
I mean, I see you trying to look like everything's okay, but you know what you did this week. You know, he's whispering that in your ear. You know, you know why, right? He's constantly whispering things that are not true. And so that's why to combat this, what we're trying to do is come at it hard with the truth of God's word, right? Now, in week, in week two, we tried to attack some of the areas that our baggage comes from and comes from your past and mistakes and regrets that you had, something that happened yesterday. So we talked about shame and guilt. Uh, week number three, we talked about where I think most of our baggage comes from, right? It comes from people. <laughs> it comes from relationships, right? So it's either people or your past. It comes from those kind of places. In week four, we talked about emotional baggage and how it tends to just kind of pile up on you and overwhelm you and you can't even deal with all of it. And then last week, we talked about this one concept that when Christ comes into our life, we experience freedom and then we continue to become free. And the biblical theological term for that is regeneration, which means that once your sins are paid for, you can go to heaven, but there's still this process where you're becoming a new person. You're, you're becoming more like Christ. The salvation part happens instantly. But the changing part takes a little bit of time. And this is where God transforms us and we're becoming a new person day by day. Well, here's the deal. A lot of the transformation part happens right up front. But there's usually some things that try to hold on to you, right? Last week we talked about the bag that won't let go. And what do you do with it? It's that one thing that seems to be hanging on. And here's the problem. So a lot of people, you become a believer, you're carrying tons and tons of stuff, and most of it all gets taken care of. Let's say 90% of it gets dealt with right at the bit. There's still that 10% that's pretty strong in your life. It's holding you back. It's keeping you from being all that God wants you to be. And, and it's hanging on to you. And so you look at your life and you go, I just feel so free. I've got 90% of this junk off of me. You know, there is still this part of it that's still hanging on, but 90% of it's gone. And then you just say, well, I guess, you know, I'll just learn to deal with this. I'll just learn to carry it around. And that's what happens to a lot of people. And so, you know, what we found out is that you've got to deal with this stuff and let God continue his work of transformation in your life. Amen? Amen. Now this week, what I want to do is I want to wrap this all up by talking about something that you don't hear talked about in church very much. In fact, I've rarely heard anybody talk about this in church. And that is, once you've experienced freedom, which we sang about, we talked about, once you've experienced freedom, how do you stay free? How do you stay there? And again, I'm not saying nobody talks about this, but I'm saying I rarely ever hear people talk about this idea. How do I stay free? Because over the years, we've seen people experience freedom and go, man, this is cool, this is so great. But they weren't prepared for the fact that the enemy was going to make a counterattack. So I want to show you a verse, a couple of verses. This is from Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 24. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, to which some of you are thinking, are you saying I'm demon-possessed? Maybe. No, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I am saying that when a bad thing comes out of our life, look what happens. 
It says it goes into the desert searching for rest. Aren't you glad you live at the beach and not the desert, right? It goes out into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. We don't like that part, but that's the reality. So it returns to find that its former home has been all swept and placed in order. And, it, and so you've experienced this, this freedom in Christ. You've experienced being swept clean, and that's awesome. But then here's the bad news. It says, then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. So that person is worse off than before. To which point you say, stop preaching. Let's just go on to the next series, right? Now, let's talk about this for a minute, because here's the reality that most Christians aren't prepared for, and that is maintaining your freedom, staying free. How do you do that? And I'm going to show you a cycle this morning. Three words, a cycle that I think happens in every single arena of life. The cycle happens in governments. In fact, I, I, I feel like you can see this cycle going on in our government right now. Uh, it's happening in people's businesses. It's happening in people's finances. It's happening in people's character. And so I want to show it to you and expose it to you because once a lie has been exposed, you can start to fight against it. You can recognize it and you can stop it from happening in your life. And so the cycle starts off like this. This is your fill-in. It's the very first one. And the, the first part of the cycle is great. It is freedom. Freedom. That's a wonderful thing. And when you think about freedom and you think about America and how this nation was founded, it's nothing short of a miracle, right? How this brave group of people sailed across an ocean because they wanted to fight against taxation without representation. And they wanted to have the freedom to worship God freely and all of that. So they sailed across the ocean and established this great nation under God. They wanted to establish a place where all people were created equal because we recognize that people are created in the image of God. And so all people can be free. And it's a powerful story. And you remember it from your history books. Right? And all of us identify with it. I mean, it's inspiring. It's that, this idea of freedom. It makes you want to paint your face blue and shout, freedom! Right? I mean, it's just, it's so powerful. And the, here's the cool thing, is that most of you will get it if you fight for it. And I believe that that's there. It's available. You can walk in freedom if you want to. Now, freedom produces the second part of the cycle, which is prosperity. Prosperity always does. Freedom produces prosperity. And, and let me just deal this word for a second because I know you've probably heard people talking a lot of, about the prosperity gospel. And I'm not talking about that here. I'm just talking about the fact that once you get free, it feels like all the burdens have been lifted off of you. It just feels like you are a new person. You just feel like, man, I feel great. I've talked to people who've given their life to Christ. And, and I remember, man, I remember when I said yes to, to Jesus Christ in my little apartment, got down on my knees. And then when Vicki came home and I told her what had happened, I was so excited. Why? I felt free. I felt like a new person. I began to walk in God's blessings and the blessings of being in a relationship with him. That's what I'm talking about, about prosperity. So freedom produces prosperity. Here's the bad news. Most people don't know how to handle it. Right? Most people, because they've never heard messages like this one, they've never been taught, and they don't know how to handle their newfound freedom. And so a lot of times they handle it with one of two things, either arrogance or complacency. So they become prosperous, and then they stop doing the things that they were doing. 
They stop fighting for freedom because they're prosperous. And you can see this in our country, right? You can see this cycle where we had freedom, and then, then we got this great economic prosperity, and then what all of a sudden happened? Our debt started increasing exponentially, just exponentially. Not just the national debt, but individual, personal debt. And in our nation, debt is growing by trillions of dollars a day just across not just the government, but across people themselves. And so what happened is we didn't know how to handle our freedom. We didn't understand how good we had it. Instead, Americans began to spend 122% of their income. Think about that for a second, right? That All that does is prosperity. It leads to an arrogance and a complacency, which brings us then from the, the, the first part of our cycle, prosperity, to the third part, I mean the second part, which is bondage. Bondage. Maybe the third part, bondage. Right? So third part, back to bondage. Bondage is, is a cycle. And, and I want you to know, I'm really motivated today to help you learn how to walk in this to walk in your freedom, to experience the prosperity without hitting this third part of the cycle. In other words, stop the cycle of the fact of just walking in God's blessings. And that's what we're talking about today. And I'm really motivated to help you to get there. I want you to know how to handle your freedom and not let go of it. So before you get discouraged and start thinking, you know, man, I know what you're talking about. I've dealt with this. I've done it with my finances. I've done it with other things. You know, I see it going on in our country and all of that sort of stuff. I experienced this cycle. I want you to know that the early church faced this as well. You can see this in the life of the early church. The early church experienced tremendous freedom. In fact, they were so fired up when Jesus came on the scene because everything had changed. You know, before, to get to God, you had to sacrifice these animals. And you had to do it just right. You had to jump through all these hoops to make sure that it was done perfect. There was all these rules and rituals and regulations. And then Jesus comes along and changes everything by being the perfect sacrifice. And now they were free. And they were enjoying that. But guess what? They didn't know how to handle it. So we have a book of the Bible, Galatians, that really deals with this whole idea of what was going on. And it's, it's, Paul writes this book to the people of, of Galatians, to a, a church that he had founded who had found great freedom, but now they were going into bondage again. And to me, when I read it, I'm just to be honest with you, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's really funny, because their bondage was, once they had found all this freedom, the, the Jewish believers who had found Christ, they had all been circumcised. But now, there was these, these other Gentile believers who were coming in, and they were accepting Christ, but they hadn't been circumcised. And the rule didn't apply anymore, but they thought that it should. Some people would come into church and they're saying, you know, guess what? <laughs> right? Which I find is funny. I think that's funny. Right? And, and, and I see people, you know, I can see people coming to church and going, hey, I really like this church. And they go, well, there's a membership regulation we need to tell you about. And they're going, no, I don't know. You know the men are saying, that, you know, honey, you go on in and you experience church. I'm going to sit here in the car. You know, I don't want to be a part of that. And so, so Paul finds out about this, right? That they're, they're demanding that these new Gentile believers be circumcised. And he's mad at the fact that they've been given all this religious freedom. And now they're starting to put burdens back on people. And so Paul is outraged. He spends the entire book of Galatians talking about this. 
In Galatians 5, I put it there in your notes. In Galatians 5, 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He set us free so that we can walk in freedom. I know that sounds like a no-brainer, but I, I see so many people start off in freedom and then hit this cycle, prosperity and bondage. But he set us free so that we can walk in freedom. So he says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of bondage. You see, that's my message for us today. Do not let yourself be burdened again. So hopefully, and this is my hope, is that somewhere through these five weeks, you found some freedom from some things. Maybe there were some bags that you were carrying around that you didn't know how to get rid of. And you took that step and, and you got free and, and you've been delivered from that and all of that. I don't want you to be burdened again. I want you to be able to maintain your freedom. I want you to stay free and never be burdened again. I want to be able to stay in that second cycle where we're walking in the blessings of living free. Amen? Amen. 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 Alright, so you say, well, Robert, is that possible? I mean, is it possible to experience freedom and experience God's blessings and never go back into bondage? And the answer is yes. It is. It is. And I want to show you how. Because I think there's three major steps that you use to getting to that point. Here's the first one. Write this down. It's humility. Humility. I'm convinced that most people lose their freedom because they're arrogant. See, I think we can see that in our nation right now and in our nation's leaders. And I, I don't mean that to for one party or the other. I think it's all the way across our political spectrum. There's a lot of arrogance. Amen? I mean, we're seeing it today. And, and so I think, I think churches have become arrogant. I think all of us, we have to deal with arrogance in our own lives. And because what happens is, is you start to walk in freedom. You start to feel that blessing. And then you start thinking, well, I got this. I got this. I mean, I got, I, this is, I got this down. I'm on top of this. This is not an issue anymore. And you're setting yourself up for failure. In fact, Proverbs says, this isn't in your notes, but it says pride goes before a fall, right? A haughty spirit before destruction, right? And so there's danger. This cycle keeps spinning. And we think, you know what, I've got it going on. I've got it all figured out. And it's really just arrogance. It's arrogance, right? And I think it's really important for us to kind of understand. So instead, what we need is this one simple attitude, humility. Where we look at our life and go, God, I'm so grateful for this freedom that you've given me. I'm so grateful for what all you've done in my life. And the truth is, man, I feel blessed. But I know that I didn't do this. You did this for me. And because, because of you and because of the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, because of the voice of the Holy Spirit who's leading me in my steps and showing me which way to go and saying, you know, kind of turn here and go here. Because I'm listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and you've so graciously helped me, I'm able to navigate through this. So Lord, I realize it's not about me, it's about you. Humility. Humility. God, I fall short every day. But if it weren't for you, I couldn't make it. It's understanding that everything that we have, everything we've experienced, all the freedom that we have comes from the hand of a merciful God who is giving us something that, honestly, we don't deserve. Man, it's so powerful. And so when we start thinking, man, it's all us, 
Look at what I've done. Look at how I've gotten free. Look at how I've walked into blessings because I've done all this stuff. You are setting yourselves up for that cycle. Pastor Roy Stockstill used to say something all the time, and I, I love this. He said, the man on his face will never fall from that position. You need to write that on your heart. You need to write that on your heart. And I'm just trying to keep you from falling again. I don't want you to lose the ground that you've gained. Amen? Amen. Step number one is humility. I don't have it in your notes, but 1 Peter 5, 6, I think it is on the screen, says, humble yourselves. Everybody say, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Now I want you to hear something because the choice is yours. You can humble yourself or you can be humbled. All right? Because the choice is yours. You can do that. James Robinson used to say, humility or humiliation. Your choice. And so trust me, you, you know, you want to be the one who initiates it. You want to be the one who initiates walking in humility. Humble yourself, and guess what? The Lord will lift you up. Amen. You humble yourself, he'll lift you up. That's what you wanted. You know, David in the Bible really understood this principle. You think about the life of David. You know, he messed up. There was murder. There was adultery. There was, there was all sorts of things. But he understood this principle. And he would come before God and he would set things right. Look at it. Psalm 51, verses 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great transgression, I mean your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. He says, wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I tell people a lot of times, this is the way that you think about it. Think about it as like when you're driving a car. You know when you're driving a car, you're making those little adjustments to kind of keep yourselves in the lanes, you know, and that sort of thing. But you take your hands off the wheel, what happens? You start drifting one way or the other, and then you're just about headed for the ditch, and then all of a sudden you grab the wheel, and you have to do this major to try and do that, and your car is, and you, it's kind of scary there for a little while. See, that's not what you want. You don't want those hard major adjustments. It's just a life of adjustments. It's keeping short accounts. It's like when you realize, man, I've messed up. It's going to God and saying, God, forgive me. Be with me. Then notice what it says, verse 17. It says, the sacrifices of God, and this is talking about what, the, this is Bible talk for what God really likes, are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. In fact, she actually likes it. See, you, you want to maintain your freedom? It happens in brokenness. It happens in humility. Everything you have comes from the gracious hand of a loving God. And that's so important to remember. All right? That's huge. It's huge. All right, here's number two. If you want to maintain your freedom, we need humility, but we also need honesty. Honesty. Meaning that when you're tempted and you want to go back, Right? That baggage is knocking on your door when the enemy's saying, you know why, right? When all that starts happening, you better tell somebody. You better tell somebody. And listen to me. Just because you've messed up doesn't mean that bag has to come back. It doesn't mean that the bag has to come back. In fact, the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Right? I get knocked down. But I get up again, right? That's right. Pastor just put a little chumbawamba in the message. All right. Right? 
But it says it doesn't have to come back into your life. And it won't come back into your life if you're honest, if you're transparent with God first. 1 John 1, 9 and 10. It says, if, that's how it starts. It's, it's, it, I, I just wish I could find some Christians who would do this. If, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I'm saying, man, the moment you realize it, make that little short adjustment. The moment that you think about it, then you say, God, forgive me. I want to make sure that my accounts are right. I messed up. I blew it. Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your hand. I can't do it on my own. Father, it's you. I need your help. Help me to do that. Because you don't want that thing knocking on your door, right? But then you don't just confess it to God. Because a lot of us, we want to stop there. Because it's easier to confess it to God than it is to confess it to others. But the Bible also says in James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Come on, what is it? Healed. That there's healing there. So you confess your sins to God and you find forgiveness. But when you confess your sins to other people, that's where you start to find healing. And this is so important. See, I want to I challenge you that when you realize that, that you've messed up and you know that thing is trying to come back and attach itself into your life, and you need to go and you confess it to God and you confess it to some people that are faithful around you. And when I say confess it to people, I say this all the time. I'm not talking about finding somebody in Walmart and say, can I tell you what's going on in my life? I don't do that, right? I'm talking about finding people that you have relationship with, that you trust them, that you know that they're walking with God and they'll speak into your life and they'll help you find that, that healing and that forgiveness that you need. See, that's why I talk about small groups so much. I just think it's so important because life change happens best in a small group context. And our, our season of, next season of small groups is going to happen in early fall. And here's my hope, because I know, I know you're not going to join a group and then on week one, you're just going to start telling them everything about your life and all your business. That's not going to happen. But I'm hoping by week three or four, you started to develop some relationships. And then somewhere in that part, you can start to share humbly with people. And just be honest and be raw and be real. And it makes a difference. But you get to the point where you just say to somebody, hey, can I just share something with you? Can I, can I tell you what's going on in my life? Because I'm struggling. And I just need somebody to talk to. And you can find somebody and begin to do that. And it makes such a difference in your life. You know? And I realize there's a reluctancy there. You're thinking, man, I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know. But they have to. And don't convince yourself, man, I can just handle this all my, by myself. Because otherwise, you're going to need the same series next year or next month, probably. Right? So if you're going to maintain this freedom, there's humility, there's honesty. And then there's the third one. We're going to really put this into practice today, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You need the person of the Holy Spirit active in your life. Paul prayed in 2 Corinthians. It's not in your notes, but we used this during our, our um, Holy Spirit series recently. It's actually the benediction of the second letter to the Corinthians. Paul was writing to the people of Corinth, and he ends. This is the actual last line of his letter, his second letter to the Corinthians. And he says this, 
May the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's what we sang about. And just that intimacy, your love is extravagant. Your friendship is intimate. May we have that in our life. Now let me put that in our context. Are you ready? All right, here you go. He's saying, you know what? All these books that I've written, all these things that I've said, all these things that I've shown you, it's not enough. You're still going to need something a little bit more. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. We did a whole series on this. If you didn't get to see it, you can go and watch it on YouTube, our church app, our church website, uh, Facebook. I mean, it's just all over the place. Go watch this Holy Spirit series because we're meant to walk with Him and be led by Him. Because the truth is, you weren't designed or wired to do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 9. He says, you, however, are controlled not by your sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And again, notice that word, if. 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 We need Him in our life, and we have to choose to make that happen. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what we're doing. Yeah, amen. Yes, you're going to do it, do it. Thank you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty. That's what we're looking for. He's always there for you. And I tell you this, guys, because it's not that we need more instructions. Most of us have been sermonized beyond our level of obedience. All right? I think what we need is more encounters. We need to experience the presence of God. It's one thing to read about it. But it's another thing to experience God on your own. I can tell you, there's been, there's been momentous turning point moments in my life where I felt God's presence, and I knew that he was speaking to me, and I knew that he was leading me. And there was times, and Vicki Vicky could tell you, there was times in our life where we knew that God was calling us to something, and we looked at it on paper, and it didn't make any sense at all. It just didn't make any sense, but we knew that it was God. And we said, God, we don't want to follow our heart because the heart is wickedly deceptive. I'm way off my notes right now, but I, I feel like I need to camp here for a second. The heart is wickedly deceptive. The Bible says, who can know it? No, Father, we want to be led by your spirit. And so, we, you know, we listened. We learned to cultivate an ear to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and to follow what he was saying in our hearts. And that changed our life. It made a difference. You need those encounters. You need to experience God's presence. You need to go after God with all of your heart. When you come into worship, worship with everything inside of you. When you're going and living your life, live it exuberantly and go out and live it passionately because you're walking with the Holy God who created you for this moment. You were created for such a time as this. I've got to get that on my notes. All right, here we go. <laughs> I, can, I mean, I'm feeling it. I just feel that. you got to know. You were created for something important. You were created for something important. Listen to me. Every single one of you, there's a purpose that you're here. There's a reason that you were created. You weren't just created to come and take up you know, space in a chair somewhere. God created you because he had something important for you to do. 
And the best thing you can do, the most fulfilling thing to do, the most joyful thing that you can do is begin to live out and walk through that purpose. Man, I'm excited to see as our church gains that revelation what God is going to do in the next couple of years in this place. I'll guarantee you two years from now, it's going to look like a whole different place here because God's doing the work and he's preparing us for that next season. All right, let me, let me get back into this. In the Bible, there's a, there's a story of a guy named Jacob. And I'm just going to just touch on this, all right? But I really want you to see something because once we finish this, we're going to have a little bit of encounter time, all right? Which means I don't know exactly how this is going to end, all right? In the Bible, Jacob is a guy, and Jacob had a lot of baggage. I mean, if there was ever a guy in the Bible that had baggage, Jacob did. And he had a lot of the bags that we talked about. He had issues from his past. In fact, his name, Jacob, meant heel catcher or deceiver. So from the very beginning, coming right out of the womb, he was the second of two twins. He was holding on to his brother's heel when he came out. And then all through his life, that, 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 that identity of being the deceiver was a bag that he carried. And you see him acting out and living out that identity all throughout his life, over and over and over again. So he had problems from his past. He also had problems with people. He had problems with his, with his father-in-law, a guy by the name of Nathan, uh, Laban. He had problems with his brother, Esau. And he tried everything he knew to do, and it wasn't working. And so he got desperate. And he came to this place called Peniel, which literally means I came face to face with God. And the Bible says that he wrestled with an angel there. And, and the Bible makes it clear as you read on that the angel was actually God himself. Look at it with me. It's there in your notes. Genesis 32. So Jacob was left alone, and a man, and in the Hebrew language, this specific translation of man really means an angel. More specifically, it means the angel of God, which means God showing up in a different form. All right? It says, an angel of God, and it wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. And I'm going to touch on that in just a second, explain that to you. But he touched his hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And he actually, guys, he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. Right? Because he had gotten desperate. And he had tried to do it all under his own power, all under his own efforts, and all of it had fallen short. I'm betting some of you probably understand that feeling right now. For you tried to do it on your own, and it didn't work. And the man asked him, listen to this question. The man asked him, what is your name? And he answered, Jacob. Can you imagine what that moment must have been like? Where, where he said, my name is Jacob. What was he doing? See, God knew his name. Why did God get him to say that? He wanted him to admit the identity he saw himself with. My name is Jacob. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm a hill catcher. I'm a, I'm a deceiver. I'm under the feet of my brother. I'm, that's who I am. You want to know who I am? That's who I am. I'm Jacob. And, and listen, to what, listen to what God said to him. All right? The, the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, deceiver. That's not going to be your identity anymore, but we're going to change it. From now on, your name is Israel, which means a prince of God. That's where the nation of Israel came in this moment, in this moment. He says, 
Your, your name will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And Jacob says, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. And the word blessed there literally means he put an eternal joy inside of him. Just this eternal joy, a blessing, the blessing of joy. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it's because I have seen God face to face. Now here's my hope. My hope is that as we've gone through these first five weeks of this series, that God did some powerful work in your life. And now you're wanting to maintain that work with humility and honesty and the daily precious, precious Holy Spirit that God has placed in your life. And so that would produce in you the same three things that it produced in Jacob. And I want you to write these down, and then we're going to pray. Here's the first one. Is it will produce inside of you a new strength. A new strength. You say, Robert, why did, why did God touch his hip socket and pull it out of, out of, uh, out of socket and cause him to, to go limp? Well, because he wanted the greatest muscle on his body, which is, the, which is this muscle right here. He wanted that greatest muscle, his place of strength, right? The strongest part. It was a reminder to Jacob to say, hey, you know what? You've been trying to do everything under your own strength. I want you to rely on my strength. It was a reminder to him, I'm going to dislocate what you were trying to rely on and remind you that you cannot walk through life without me. And I believe that Jacob walked with that limp for the rest of his life, but it was that reminder that my strength is not in me. My strength is in God. The Apostle Paul understood this idea. In 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 3-5, he writes, I came to you in weakness and fear, with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words and handouts and parrot jokes. You know, it wasn't that. He says, but it came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may rest not on man's wisdom, but on God's wisdom. Amen? God's wisdom, God's power, His strength. Some of you, you need that this morning. Second thing that happened with Jacob, I also hope it happens in your life, is that God gave him a new identity, a new way of seeing himself, a new name. I mean, you see it all through Scripture. Any place where people had a face-to-face -face encounter with God, something changed inside of him. Man, when I gave my life to Christ, from that moment on, I saw myself differently. And he began to impound me with that new identity and help me to see myself differently. That was just a powerful part of it. But you see it in the life of Abraham. You see it in the life of Paul and Peter. And what did God do? He changed their name. He changed their identity in that face-to-face. -face. Some of you, you bought into an identity that was just not true. It's like, you know, Robert, my dad was always this angry person. I mean, he was just angry all the time. My grandfather, he was angry too. And that's just our family. We're just an angry family. We yell, we get loud, we're mean. I mean we, don't, we, don't, we don't mean to, but we can't help ourselves. That's just who we are. Because a lot of people think that. A lot of people think like that. Some of you, 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 you think, well, you know, I just have an addictive personality, Robert. I mean, it's just, there's just a long history. It's in my bloodline, just a long history in our family. We just have addictive personalities. It's one thing, it's another, and whatever. I just get addicted to stuff. And I can't help myself. It is what it is. It's who I am. And we have this false identity that's not real. It's not who 
God created us to be doesn't have to be your identity. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So you're different. You're different. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You can come face to face with him. And you can walk out of this place today with a different view of who you are. It can happen. It's not going to happen with a handout. It's not going to happen. You know, it's, you know how it's going to happen? It's going to happen in an encounter moment where you encounter his presence for yourself. You only get it through a face-to-face where you experience his strength, a new identity. And finally, the third thing that he got inside of him was a brand new joy. A new joy. I love Psalm 1611. It says, you, God, you've made known to me the path of life and you fill me with joy. Where? In your presence. In your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Would you bow your heads with me? I do believe that God is going to touch us this morning. We're going to take some time to pray and encounter him. But the very first thing that we have to do is we have to address what is getting in the way of us coming to God. What is getting the way? We have to destroy the barriers. And here's the good news. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that that's what Jesus came to do. He came to destroy the barriers that separate us from God. See, the truth is, there's a bunch of us here today, or maybe you're watching it online, and you would say it this way. You'd say, you know what? I'm religious. I'm spiritual. But I'm empty. There's a barrier. There's something that's in the way. It seems like God is a million miles away. You love him. You love him, but you realize that you're not close. And probably, most likely, you know what the barrier is. You know what it is in your life. Maybe you're mad at God today. Maybe you've had some disappointments. Maybe you're skeptical of church or whatever it is, and you've got some barriers. And you say, Robert, I really want to have a face-to-face with God, but there's some barriers. What do I do? What, what do I do? Here's what you do. You let Jesus remove them. That was his mission. You say, is it that easy? Yes, it's just that easy, but there is an exchange. Because what he wants from you is he wants your life. It sounds like a lot, but let me tell you, it's the best deal you'll ever make in your life. You give him your junk, he gives you a new life. I want to encourage you today to make this step. If that's you and you say, you know what, I want to come, I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to come face to face with God this morning. I want the barriers gone so that I can get there and get face to face. If that's you, I want you to have the boldness and the courage to say, that's me. Don't even wait. Just lift your hands. Come on, right now. Just lift it up. Thank you so much. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. If you're watching online, just write me. Just type it in the comment section, me. Uh, That's where I'm at right now. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. I really appreciate it. I want to lead you in a prayer. Then we're going to close this thing down with a little bit more prayer time. But Father, right now, In the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person that raised their hand, every person that's watching online that's saying, that's me too. And so, Lord, I just pray for them that you would 
do a mighty, powerful work in them. She would break these barriers inside of them right now in Jesus' name. I want to ask you right where you are to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. God will hear you. But just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me. Wrap me in your arms. Where the enemy's taken away hope, restore hope. Where I felt devastated, place a new peace in my life. Help me to walk in your joy. Lead me by your spirit. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of the places where that I've blown it. Help me to learn to walk in your freedom today. I pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody look up at me for just a second. If you prayed that prayer, be sure and let us know. Take one of those blue cards and say, I prayed that prayer along with you. And you know, I just wanted to let you know. If you prayed it for the very first time, we've got a gift we'd love to put in your hands. It's a little booklet that says, now what? And if you'll take that card, that blue card to them at the front desk and tell them, man, I'd love to have that book. That's there for you. It's free. I would love to put that in your hands. Gives you some ideas of great next steps. But here's what we want to do. At the close of the service, we do this every week. We open up the communion stations. There's a place where you can have communion. The band's going to lead us in another song. You can worship. There's a place that you can bring your tithes and your offerings. But we're going to have our prayer team here. And maybe you just need that moment that encounter, that fresh moment of being in God's presence. We're going to believe for God to do something supernatural. And I want to encourage you to let us pray for you this morning. And we'll just go as long as we need to, but we want to pray for you this morning. So if you would, stand to your feet, and you can respond in any or all of those ways. God, I look to you. I won't be
blessings of God and never hit that third part of the cycle. Don't want you to fall into bondage again. I want you to live free. Be free, live free, and experience God's blessings. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. All right, so listen, next week, uh, August 1st, is going to be an amazing weekend next weekend. Sean Lombard is coming back. If you remember Sean, he's going to lead worship, and he's going to uh, speak as well. He's going to pray, pray prophetically over people. Sean and Allison there. They're going to be here. But listen, we're going to do something special uh, also, is that after this service, we're going to come back for an evening thing next week, 5 o'clock. We're going to have covered dish dinners. There's a place for you to sign up, what you can bring. We're going to all eat together, and then at 6 o'clock, Sean's going to do another prayer time and a little bit of worship and another prayer time and speak prophetically and pray over people. It is going to be powerful. Don't miss next weekend. Try to come for both of those. All right, I want to pray one more prayer, a prayer of blessing as you go. Raise your hands. Father, thank you for every person that's here. I speak a blessing over them in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Lord, let your anointing be upon their life. Give them favor in the eyes of people that they come in contact with. And Father, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities, that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. I don't need the smoke.